Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Weems podcast. We're so glad to have you listening in today. Before Carrie joins us in today's episode, we want to remind you that the best way to keep up with all the latest content being released by Carrie is to follow her on social media. She's on Instagram and Twitter, so follow her at Carrie Weems, and you can also find her on Facebook as well, and even comment to let us know how much you're enjoying the podcast and the teaching that Carrie has been bringing to all of us. And don't forget, you can always visit CarrieWeems.com to learn more about her and to see a full list of the books, curriculums, and resources that she has recently released. Thanks again for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Carrie Weems podcast. I'm Carrie Weems, and I'm so glad to be here with you today. Thank you for joining us. And we have with us again today the awesome Clay Baird, who is my official interviewer. <laughs> official thank, interviewer. Thank you so much, Clay, for interviewing me. We're going to be uh, following up again today with uh, continuing our little series on uh, women in ministry. Just some common questions that I've gotten from women as I've sat in panels, um, just some Q&A times that I've had. At, uh, these questions pop up over and over again, so I just thought it would be good to put them on a podcast and um, just answer them for everybody that, you know, put those answers out there for everybody that might come across it that's interested. So this is, you know, my context is pastor's wife, but um, just because you're not a pastor's wife doesn't mean that these things don't happen to you um, and that you don't deal with these things. So Clay, why don't you kind of kick off and we'll talk about... Yeah. Absolutely. Some of the things that we have. And, and I'll just say right away, you know, a lot of, for all of our listeners out there, a lot of uh, the content that Carrie covers in her podcast actually comes from people who submit questions. Uh, that's how we find out, man, what, what, what do people want to hear about? What do people want to talk about? And, uh, and see Carrie's input into. And so if you ever have questions that you'd actually like to ask Carrie that might turn into a podcast one day, you can always uh, submit those questions at carrieweems.com or you can just send an email straight to info at carrieweems.com uh, and uh, we'll see it and our team will probably log it in and it might show up on a future podcast one day. But we're going to continue in, as Carrie said, on some of these uh, questions that women are asking, uh, a lot about ministry stuff. And she won't brag on herself, but I'll go ahead and brag for her because I know that Carrie has sat and done Q&As and answered a lot of questions like this with a lot of very well-respected women in ministry like Joyce Meyer and Christine Kane and others. She's been involved in roundtables and all sorts of things when questions about women and ministry are all being asked. And so there's a lot of knowledge that's about to come at you, so get uh. yourself ready. Get yourself ready. But we'll <laughs> jump in. So, hey, the first one that we have here today, Carrie, is um, someone is asking, how do you manage disagreements with your husband over church matters, perhaps, but then being able to kind of shut it off at night? I, I, I can't imagine that Stovall and Carrie have ever disagreed <laughs> about anything. No, we're exactly the same, and do, <laughs> we'd, we'd always do things the exact same way. No, that's, that is something that definitely, I mean, we have... Stovall and I are such opposite personalities. You can't even imagine how opposite we are in so many ways. And I think that makes life very rich and fun, and it definitely makes our marriage fun. But when it comes to working together, it can be really frustrating. So at the end of the day, I think um, we, we disagree a lot about maybe the way things should be done. And I think that was more of an issue maybe in the first um, – you know, until yesterday. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, um, really, I'm thinking the first, you know, 15 years um, of ministry. But the more we have worked together, the less of an issue that has become. Yeah. But I would say that basically, um, I just have in my mind that anything with two heads is really a monster. It's not <laughs> so, nothing is really supposed to have two heads. And so at the end of the day, he's, 
I defer to him. I mean, that's really what I do because at the end of the day, he's the one that no one's going to look at something that's done in church and go, wow, Carrie really made a terrible decision on that. You know what I'm saying? They're going to say, Steval shouldn't have done that. And don't, they're never going to think to look at me. And I have a lot of, the way I like to characterize my role, and this is something I'm going to do a huge series and maybe a white paper on or something, the role of the pastor's wife. Okay. Because um, that is a really complicated, I mean, just the word pastor's wife right. is like, um, the my whole identity is being the wife of somebody else. Yeah. And my role in ministry is tied to their role in ministry I mean, it is, it's really complicated, but at the end of the day, just the same, I mean, it reflects back on him. The mm-hmm. church reflects how it's led, re- reflects back on him. He assumes most of the responsibility and um, therefore he should have the greater degree of authority in, in that. And I defer to him and I have a lot of influence, but yeah. I know where my lines of authority are. Influence and authority are two different things. I'm That's never going to, you know, override. I'm like, I still stay within the processes. I don't override processes just because I can. I could, it would, but it would cause chaos. That's real. That's really that influence and authority. That's just really good for people mm-hmm. on a on a staff, in any church staff. Let's say you know what I mean. Yeah. Like it, we're not even talking. Let's take it out of the husband and wife context. Yeah. Just anybody. <laughs> Sometimes you're you sit in a seat of influence, but you don't sit in the seat of authority exactly. in that particular department or that particular church or or whatever the case may be. But you're still an influencer. Yeah, that's so. And I would I think that's a really important distinction for people to make is that you do not have to have the title to be a leader. Yes. You lead through influence. In fact, if you get the title without having naturally acquired the influence through relational credibility or longevity or having a number of wins under your belt where people trust your decision making, they're always going to gravitate to the person. You might have the title, but people are naturally going to gravitate to the person with the most influence. Right. And so there are ways that we can cultivate our influence, but that comes with knowing how to wield that influence, understanding when to speak, when not to speak, understanding what's negotiable, what's not negotiable. It takes a lot of wisdom to build influence, and especially as the pastor's wife, because people do, they they want you to advocate on their behalf for things or for certain which is understandable. I'm not saying yeah. that's a horrible thing, but you need to have wisdom of how to handle that. And then you just honestly have to choose what hill you're going to die on because yeah. if you're constantly asking for things or trying to use your influence to push, it's going to just be a lot of noise. So I think the best way to use your influence is to use it extremely strategically and sparingly. Yeah. Do you feel that like, I mean, so so my wife and I, Bethany, we've, we're coming up on 13 years. Oh, Obviously, wow. You Congratulations. Stovall, yeah, you and oh, Stovall got, got more on us, but... Um, <laughs> But do you feel like, I, I feel the longer I've been in marriage, I feel like naturally, you're, hey, you're living with this person for a, a lengthy amount of time. You kind of know, man, that's their lane. Because oftentimes, I, I, here's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. is like I've heard Stovall sometimes defer to you on a yeah. lot of uh, even theological things. Yeah. He knows you're a very well-read individual. Yeah. You're super studied. And, and I mean, that's just part of your personality. I know yeah. you enjoy doing things like that. Um, but I think he honors you in that way uh, publicly. And so sometimes he'll even stand up in front of our entire congregation and say, I had to defer to Carrie on this one. Yeah. And, and so it goes both ways sometimes. Yeah. And I think that's something that didn't come overnight. You have to kind of keep the long game in mind because I don't want to create such an issue when I'm trying to use my influence to get my way or to, I don't know, push my idea forward. Right, right, right. Like, I don't want to use it so much there in that way that it becomes that down the road when it becomes very apparently apparent that, yes, Carrie knows what she's talking about in this area a little bit <laughs> yeah. more than maybe I do, that then there's reluctance to give me that place. Yeah. So you really have to keep the long game in, in, um, 
in mind when you're using your authority. And so I just feel like one of the things I have to do is go, okay, you know, do, am I just pushing because this is my idea and I like it? Or is, do I feel like this is a prophetic wow. leading from the Holy Spirit, like there's a warning in this? Um, and what is my, like, what is my real stake in this? Like, uh -huh. why is it so important to me that this happens? And a lot of times it's going to come down to, I see a way that it could be done. And yes, a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more long range strategic. Okay. And so I can see, okay, if we go this route, this could be good. But then these are the several possibilities that could be the outcome. And if we go this way and everything works out great, it's great. But if things don't work out great, it could be a lot of sideways energy. Right. At the end of the day, I just have to be okay with watching that outcome mm -hmm. happen. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I know that if we do it my way, it could save a lot of energy and time and whatever. Yeah. But I have to be okay with that. Right, because right, what is right. my stake in that game? Yeah. Like, I just have to understand that you cannot constantly be advocating for what you see yeah. you have to learn how to restrain and yeah. i think that's the most the number one thing when dealing with differences is that i have to be the one to restrain my words because i want to wield my influence with effectiveness yes and that means using it sparingly yes any i think any any couple out there who's been married for a long time like if if you are hell-bent on dying on every hill mm -hmm. for every argument that's going to be a long marriage mm -hmm. and so not a not a fun one either yeah. and so i think if you don't know the weems i think you guys are such a great i think I've never maybe seen a better couple that just compliments one another. <laughs> from our oppositeness. So, yeah, from your opposite. So just so many, you know, your personality and his personality, but yet the two of you, it's like the whole package when you come together. Like a whole Oreo. <laughs> so that's awesome. A whole Oreo cookie. But, uh, okay, so the next question that we have here is, have you ever, I, I, I think this is a great one because I think a lot of people are asking this question, uh, maybe not this exact wording, but mm -hmm. a lot of people want to know this. Have you ever dealt with maybe guilt from missing out on church things because you were attending to some family stuff, or maybe vice versa, you've missed out on some family things yeah. because you're attending to some church stuff. And then how do you kind of work that out in your heart? Yes. Okay. That is like... The church and family balance question. The church and family balance question. So, wow, this is so... You know, I think I would have answered this question very differently even a year and a half ago um, because I would have said... You just kind of have to do what you have to do at the moment. And yeah. God has your kids and he has the church and you have to make the best decision. Um, and I do think, I mean, everybody struggles with this, especially, you yeah. know, especially as a as as a pastor's wife, but which really means I'm a pastor. But, yes. you know, kind of depends on your denomination, if people are willing to call you that or not. And um, and then you see like women on your staff who are working and they're managing the whole they're managing this, too. Like they're they're bringing their kids to church at 7 a.m. or 8.30 yeah. a.m. and they're getting home late. And um, it's hard to, you know, I don't know how to put this, but like you see what people are doing based on what, you know, like, okay, we're, we want everyone to come to two services or we need you to do this. And then I know from my family, you know, because I'm married to the senior leader, mm -hmm. what it takes to support him. Yeah. Like, I, I, it, it's actually better for everyone if I stay home because that means otherwise I'm going to have to hire someone to replace me. Does that make sense? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. for me, like if, if the work that I'm doing at home is such that if I don't do it, it's going to cause him to suffer or we're going to have to, or we're going to have to hire someone to do it because I'm not going to be there. Right. That enters a different level of decision-making because true. now it's not just, Oh, I'm, I'm deciding, um, do I want to go to this or not? Is this a good use of my time? It's now it's like, 
okay, well, if Carrie's not going to do this, then we need to hire someone to do it. Yeah. Or we need to pull someone from staff. And most of the time, it's just better for me to do it. I'm going to do it right. I know how he wants things. I know exactly, um, you know, the timing of it and all the little details by just because I, I know him so well. Um, with kids, I think now I would as much as possible choose my kids. Yeah. Because I think we tend to tell ourselves that kids are resilient and they are very resilient. They are very resilient. But um, every kid is different, you know? And so I would err on the side of my kids if possible. Um, there have been a couple of times where we've had events that were super important. And um, like, I remember one time Stovey had a concert, a Christmas concert, and it was on the same night as a huge, like, Heart for the House dinner. Uh-huh. And, um, and you know, the school, pro- the school calendar gets set, and then the church calendar gets yeah. set. And then if something moves, it can just be a conflict, and it is what it is. Yeah. So I had to mi- miss that Heart for the House dinner because I'm not going to miss my son. He's going to have one Christmas concert That's this right, year. Yeah. And so sometimes it's like that, like, okay, I'm, g- I'm going to be in ministry for the rest of my life, and this is one night. Yeah. And people will be okay with me not being there. They wouldn't have been okay for Stovall not to be there. Right. But they'll be okay for me not being there. And um, I think that's one of the good things about being the pastor's wife is that you have that you can't feel guilty about having that. For me, the big thing was I would feel guilty because I would know like, okay, well, I can name five women right now who are up there working and they worked all day and yeah. I'm not there. I'm at my son's concert. But also... It is just a very unique situation. Yeah. It's very unique when you're married to the senior guy because you literally one of you has to be there. And right. sometimes both of you can't be there. I mean, you know, because imagine if Bethany was in that so position true. where you both had to be there all the time. You just really couldn't do it. it really, and, and that's reality. You really can't both do everything all the time. And so you just have to choose what's more important and then tell your, you know, you're going to feel guilty. Just deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> just move on and say you can't not feel guilty. You're yeah. just going to feel a little bit guilty on one side or the other, and that's normal. But you just yeah. you just have to deal yeah. with it and move on. I don't know if that's healthy so, or not. I mean, it's <laughs> just, so true. I think, obviously, the perspective that you all have, Stovall and Carrie, you know, uh, being the lead pastors mm-hmm. of a large congregation, multiple lo- locations across the world, really— yep. Um, not everyone, uh, there's, there might be some listeners out there right now who are also in that same seat. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then there's others of us and the benefit that we have is that there, there is another staff. So in other words, there's not another mom and dad at home to handle the family stuff, but at times there are other staff members that can handle and chip in to do the church stuff. Absolutely. And so, you know, for someone like me, Clay Baird, I can make the decision at times, you know what, that church event tonight actually has a plethora of other staff members right. there, but my son has this thing going on, and so I actually need to be at that. Exactly. Um, so it's, it definitely is different because you're right. The seat that you and Stovall sit in, one of the two of you almost always has to be in the building to help lead right. the moments. And, and I think, too, like there's a couple of times that Stovall's wanted me to be on stage with him to talk about a right. few things, and I've been like, okay, but this is going on at home, or I know that, and it might not be even with my kids. It might be like we have had... So these are like the behind the scene kinds of things, but we have guests in our house nonstop. Yep. I mean, we've had between mid-April and mid-May, we will have guests in our house um, three times, yeah. staying for longer than three days. Yeah. And then in between that, we will have Easter. We had 17 people at Passover. We had eight, we have eight people a weekend over for Shabbat sometimes. Yeah. We, it's, it's like lots of entertaining. And sometimes just to recover from that, like you just need a minute to get your hands around, you know, are we completely out of groceries? We don't have... <laughs> 
you know, our plates are lost. Everything's like, we don't have any clothes that are iron. Like yeah. our, your life just is, you have to get your hands around it and you have Wednesday night yeah. and then it starts all over again on Thursday and nobody sees that, but you just have to do it or you're yeah. going to have chaos. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the, one of the things that I realized, like, it's not worth me just spiraling off the deep end just because if people don't see me at church, what will they think? And I think for me, that was breaking down that performance issue oh, that's good. of like, I've got to do everything perfectly, show up at everything, you know, all the time. And I have to like this idea of leading from the front. Like if I'm asking my staff to do it, people say this, I hear this a lot. As a leader will never ask you to do something they're not willing to do themselves. And that's true. I mean, I showed up to things forever and ever and ever, but also your leader <laughs> might be 50 years old and you might be 25 yeah and so <laughs> i think the, the responsibility that they're bearing doesn't mean they wouldn't do Absolutely. it when they were 25 they would have done it but now they've got three kids and four different business entities or nonprofit entities and their husband's you know preaching on a wednesday night between two international trips and you can't judge yes. well they didn't show up to wednesday night well did you go to india with me did Absolutely. you go to singapore with me <laughs> did you go to this meeting in fort lauderdale and preach three times in paris oh well yeah. then maybe you could have some mercy yeah the better the better sentence would almost be a leader would never ask you to do something that they haven't done right. before. Right. You know, because they're yeah, in the earlier days of ministry, man, we're on the front row every single week. But but the ministry's changed. There's been promotion, there's been elevation, that yeah. it's grown. And and now everyone doesn't have to do every little thing because now it's a team and exactly. multiple, in multiple places. I think that's great. I think most people wouldn't be able to do what I did when I was 20, 20, oh, in my 20 to 25 because we didn't even have fun, cell phones. Like you were <laughs> like, I'm going to be at, I'm going to leave for class at eight in, eight in the morning, wear a skirt all day long in yeah. heels because I don't have time to go back between school and worship. And then I'm going to lead worship until 10 o'clock at night and get up for 6 a.m. prayer the next day. Yep. And that was my life for five years. And it was, you just did it because that's what God was calling you to do. And that yep. it's good. Like God makes you there. You can't look at, well, this person's not doing that and they're not showing up. And I think, but I think that kind of like faithful, like there's good. Okay. I want to be faithful. I want to show up. If I'm asking my staff to do it, I want to do it right. because I want to be with them in it. But it's actually not the best thing I can do all the time Yeah. because I would then have to hire someone to come yeah. <laughs> unpack, wash clothes, repack and go to the next trip the next day. Yeah. So I just can't be there. Yeah. You do, but nobody knows that. You want to be like, I want to send out a tweet or something like, hey, everybody, just so you know, <laughs> I'm not skipping out. I'm prepared. I'm, I'm between two international trips, but you can't do that because it's nobody's business. Yeah. But there's that performance thing in you that yeah. wants to, that's what causes the guilt on the church side to me. Yeah. I think, I think one thing a healthy staff can do for their lead pastors is just like, you know, for us, it's like, where's actually the best place for Stovall and Carrie to be right now? Yeah. And maybe the best place isn't for them to be just at a, a midweek service on the front row because mm -hmm. they just got back from international travel. Maybe the best place yeah. is to be, hey, catching a breather. Maybe you're going to miss this Wednesday night, but they're yeah. going to be back on Sunday. And so I think if you're a staff member out there listening, give, give a little bit of grace yeah. to the people who are leading from, you know, the higher level because, man, they really are they really are pumping out a lot of work. It might be different than the work you're doing. And you just, it's not going to be, a lot of times it's on the front edge. Yeah. And so it's not things that you see in the weekend service That's yet. That's great. You will see it maybe a year and a half from yeah. now, but right now they're, they're out there creating it and nurturing the relationships and pulling the things together. And it's real work. It's just out ahead of where everybody yes. sees. And it's not going to be obvious what they're doing until a year and a half from now, but it's still nonetheless is work. So true. So true. I love what you said. We're going to jump to the next one. Mm -hmm. I just love what you said, the, the people, if you're going to err on one side, choosing to err on the family mm -hmm. side, I think for the majority of us who are not leading, you know, massive churches, I think that's just a great sentence right there mm -hmm. that, you know, when it's all said and done, you're probably going to look back 
wishing you would have had more moments with the family or yeah. thankful that you did take those moments with I the family? I can say from experience, I would choose my travels so much more selectively than I did when my kids were young. Okay. Um, I think that in that time, I felt like, you know, there's always this sense of, I've got to grab these opportunities right now because they're going to pass me by and then I won't have them later. But the truth is, in God's timing, he brings opportunities back around and back around and back around. Sure. And you don't have to kill yourself chasing every opportunity. Like, find what is God's work for you to do right then and yeah. then really just focus on that. And God will, we don't have to, I think there's a, that's, honestly, I thought that was spiritual. I thought it was me just, you know, stewarding my opportunities. But honestly, it was fear-driven. If I can be very vulnerable it's that's a part of the worldly system uh -huh. that fear of missing out it's the fear of if i don't take this you know i'm going to miss this opportunity and then then what like yeah, if never god does yeah, yeah. you know it's if god fear. wants me to have it then i'll have it yep. and you know what i'm saying so anything that's birthed out of fear if you're honest with yourself i'm i, I want to do this because i'm afraid it's i'm going to miss an opportunity well where is faith in that it's great so i would say that if i'm motivated out of fear i'm probably it's impossible. In my this is my thing. You can't be motivated out of fear and faith. Right. You could experience fear and faith at the same time. Uh -huh. But your mo if your motivation is fear, then it's not faith. It's good. So if I'm doing something out of fear, that's actually not going to be fruitful for me. Right. So that's kind of how I I've learned how to judge it. That's so good. There's that was that was like so many good answers <laughs> to that one question right there. So hopefully you, you caught that. That was a great one. Um. Hey, how about this? The last one for today's episode right here, talking about women in ministry here on the Carrie Weems podcast. Um, how do you let go? This is not even just a women question. This is an everyone question right here. How do you let go of conflicts that have hurt you with members in your congregation? Maybe they've left, they've moved on, maybe they still attend. Um, it might not even be just be congregation members. Maybe it's staff members. Yeah. I mean, or I, just any shoot, random person. <laughs> I've had, I've had moments like this. I mean, you guys have been doing ministry for well over 20 years. You, you mm -hmm. and Pastor Stovall have had moments like this. And, uh, so... Because it's people. Sometimes I think if we're honest with ourselves, we've hurt people. Sure. They've hurt us. Hurt mm -hmm. goes both ways. It does. Um, and, and so how do you how do you kind of move through that and keep it going? That's, um, you know, I think a really important aspect of judging how to handle this, first of all, is was the conflict just a conflict that didn't go the way you wanted it? Or somebody did, they sinned against you in the sense of they mishandled information that was sensitive okay. or they crossed a boundary that they shouldn't have crossed and they've said they're sorry and now like they've really repented and said they're sorry and you just are having tr trouble letting go. Yeah. That's one set of circumstances. Um, the other set of circumstances is, is this person sh shown themselves through whatever this conflict was to be unsafe? Okay. Those are two very different circumstances. So um, I've had both of those things happen. Sometimes people just cross boundaries. They don't mean to. They're having a difficult time. They're trying to work some things out on their own, and they do some things that hurt me, or we have conflict over something. And um, I just have to choose to forgive. So I'll start. I want to talk about forgiveness, if that's okay, for yeah, a little yeah, bit, go because for it. the answer is not always just forgiving, and that's on the other side. We'll talk about that, but. When someone, when you have a conflict with someone, it's not just that you have the conflict. It's the way that you handle the conflict and they handle the conflict because we all have conflict, right? So if you're having a conflict with another person, in that conflict, are they trustworthy? Mm -hmm. Do they keep the, the conflict between you and them? If they seek outside counsel, do they let you know, I'm going to seek some outside counsel on this? Or if they do go to talk to somebody else, which is normal, you know, I think we have this idea of like, if you talk to anybody else about this conflict, then you're betraying my trust. Sometimes people really do. They really, and 
honestly, let's be honest with ourselves. Okay. All of us, when we're in conflict, 70% of the time, we're going to go talk to someone about it because we don't want to make a bad decision. Yeah, we need yeah. someone to go, hey, this happened. Am I overreacting? Am I seeing this the right way? Can you give me some objective? It's not to throw someone under the bus. Yeah. It's because you need someone to mirror yourself back to you to mm-hmm. make sure, pardon me, <clears throat> Yeah. to make sure that you are, you know, thinking fairly, not acting out of hurt, that you're seeing the conversation or the situation rightly. And obviously you're going to present your truth to them, your version, what stood out to you, and there's Uh another side to that. So let's just don't be unrealistic about expecting that no one is ever going to go talk to anybody about anything regarding you because that's not true and that's never the truth and it's never going to happen that way. So let's just accept that. But what we can hope for is when that person talks about the situation that they do it in a way that is loving toward you. Mm-hmm. They would say, look, I'm good friends with this person. I know their character. They said this and it may, for some reason it didn't sit right with me. This is what I think maybe is happening. I've done that for, I've talked to Stovall about a few things like that before. And he's like, oh, you've got this right, but here's what you're missing. Okay. And I was like, oh, I'm glad you told me that because I was going to have a conversation. Now I see I don't really need to. This is really not a big deal gotcha. and I can let it go. Um, so you can have a conflict with someone. Did they act honorably toward you? in that conflict, were they aware of what they were doing or are you assuming that they were aware? Mm -hmm. Do I have filters on that made this look? So it's not just necessarily the things that happen. So like two people can experience, I call that data. Two two people can experience the same points of data, the same circumstances, the same uh, situation, and they can take away totally different interpretations of it based on how they interpret what those points of data or those interactions mean. Right. And someone with a filter of rejection will take it to mean one thing, and someone with a sense of confidence and love will take it to mean something totally different. So you have to be aware of your own filters when you are processing pain. That would be to me, in that kind of situation where the person hasn't become unsafe, you need to forgive and you need to do what you need to do to forgive. Yeah. So that might mean circling back to them and saying, I'm just having a really hard time letting go. Do some self-reflection. Why can't I let this go? Yeah. Maybe there's some clarity that you still need. Maybe you just need to, like you trust them, you forgive them, but you might just need a little bit of space just to let it settle. Maybe you just feel awkward around them now because you know what they really think. You know, I just, I don't know how it's not one situation, one set uh, fits all, but this is what I will say. Um, Pardon me. I drank honey, think it would help my throat, but like it's made this little honey thing in my throat. Um, you, as believers in, in Jesus, we do not have the luxury to not forgive. That's true. Like it's just not an option for me to hold something against someone. Yeah. It's just not an op- Like I don't have that option. Jesus doesn't give it to me. Mm-hmm. So one of the options that I have is not to sit on my unforgiveness and bitterness and hurt and pain and and do nothing about it and feel justified in it. Yeah. So anything true. that you do short of that is going to be good. Yep. But you, you're, one of your options is not to harbor unforgiveness. Um, and a lot of times when we harbor unforgiveness, it's because of what that situation, I think we may have talked about this, but we had this, con- when the apology situation yeah. thing, like it showed you a picture of yourself that you don't like. That's right. That this conflict showed you something about yourself and you're like, but I'm not that kind of person. I'm not th- but maybe you are that kind of person and maybe you need to accept yeah. what it showed you so you can get to work on that. Yep. So does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And I think that's great. She just referenced, uh, if you're listening maybe for the very first time, uh, we did an episode a while back called The Anatomy of an Apology. And we talked about conflict resolution <laughs> and, uh, and we gave some literal steps to walking through a genuine, sincere apology. And so go back and listen to that episode. That'll be helpful. But um, 
But so, so what about the person that I like how you said it, the person how maybe a conflict came about, but now you've recognized that this is actually an unsafe relationship yeah. to, to move forward yeah. uh, because of maybe the severity of what was crossed or demonstrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a person that, um, <coughs> a person who like, um, they're demonstrating some unsafe behaviors. So okay. an unsafe behavior would be a person who repeats the same pattern yeah. and, and apologizes but never changes. Yeah. Because what it means is, yeah, I actually do know that I'm doing this, but I don't have the motivation out of love for you or anybody else to change. Or I just don't have the capacity to change. Wow. And so since I don't have the capacity, I can't do it. Yeah. And, and I'm going to continue to do this hurtful behavior as long as you're in my world. Um, another kind of uh, unsafe person indicator to me is a person who is not trustworthy with sensitive information. Yeah. Um, and that in and in, in that they also don't honor you. Okay. Does that make sense? Like yeah, no, totally. you could totally you can like I said, we people are gonna talk to people, but then there's a way of saying going to talk to someone and misrepresenting the situation, assuming bad motives about you like assuming that you have bad motives and communicating that as fact. Yeah. Um spinning the situation to where like this is the classic a couple goes to counseling and one of them spins the situation so that the other one looks at fault yeah like, yeah but yeah. the you're like you're not even being truthful like this isn't actually honest yeah yeah um i think for me someone that doesn't tell me the truth and i know this is a apparently this is a lot to ask of people because when people are in conflict they're afraid uh-huh. and um I think I might just be a, just strange in this, but to me, the best way to resolve conflict is just tell the truth. Yeah. Like you cannot, you, if you don't tell the truth, conflict can never be resolved because you're resolving a fake conflict. Yeah. Like it's not really the conflict. That's true. So you're going to spend all this energy on something that's not real. But so many people are afraid to tell the real truth about what they're in conflict over that you never actually solve the problem. And that's why I don't have, I don't have, I don't give place in my life to people who are not honest. And I don't mean like they're trying to con me out of stuff. I just mean they consistently do not tell me the whole truth. Yeah. They consistently um, hide things from me. They consistently misrepresent um, situations. um, Or they consistently cover their own failures or inability to follow through because they don't want to um, be the one at fault. Yeah. And, um, I just think when people do that, they even lack the capacity to see how much time waste and energy and emotions that you put into that. And, or you invest in someone, you know, someone that you invest in and they're going behind your back and, you know, this is the, oh, this is a typical one for pastor's wife. Like someone's asked you to mentor them. So you're mentoring them. And then you find out that they've got three other people mentoring. You're like, why am I doing this? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, if you've got three mentors, I don't, you don't need me. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, why are you using my time up? Right, right. Um, <clears throat> so to me, people that have those patterns of dishonesty, of um, not really changing, of not respecting your resources and boundaries, those are people that you can forgive, but you need to recognize that they're not safe. Yeah. And so then you can forgive them, but you don't need to enter back into a relationship with them. You can hold yeah. them at a distance and go, this is who they are and where they are right now. Yeah. And that's not safe for me. That's and right. so distance yourself from them. That does not mean that you don't love them. They will try to tell you that, yeah. but that's not what that means yeah. <laughs> because they want access to you again, but you, it's okay for you to set a boundary and say, I'm not going to have that kind of relationship with this person anymore. And that's different to not forgiving. Yeah. That's accepting who that actually what that is radical acceptance. Yeah. I'm accepting that this person is not capable of being honest at this point in wow. their life. And I don't, I actually don't, give place to, I can't give place to that in my life. When they get healthy, we can maybe look at it again, but 
I can't give place to that. Yeah, yeah. Do you think I so I thought about this as you were just sharing. So let's go back to like the first two years mm-hmm. of planning a church, right? Yeah. I think, you know, when whenever there's conflict and you're you're at a large church that's been around a long time, whenever there's conflict with a person on the staff or a person mm-hmm. serving in the congregation, sometimes it might be a little bit easier because you're like, okay, the conflict needs to be addressed. But in regards to wherever they were serving or doing whatever, yeah. if a transition needs to happen, hey, we have so many other people <laughs> ready to go. But what about the pastor out there, the pastor and the pastor's wife out there at a small church? Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of people, so there's not a lot of skillful people on the team. And let's just say there's a conflict that's shown up in one, and, and maybe they have a fear of, well, gosh, we really don't, this is this has created some awkwardness here, but yeah. if we lose this individual, we're going to be down a man, and we can't be down a man, and so maybe they keep someone around that they shouldn't keep mm-hmm. around, and it's just causing a lot of drama because yeah. they're so afraid of, of not having the, the, the team that they need. Yeah. And so... That is really a real situation. Yeah. So um, I would could not recommend more getting Dr. Cloud's um, book, Necessary Endings. Okay. I think he's got some, um, Dr. Henry Cloud, he's got some books, some books or resources on how to have difficult conversations. Um, and they are so helpful. That's great. But one of the things you need to understand and, and is that the longer you put off having conversations, the problem is not going to get better. Yeah. It's going to get worse because to borrow from Dr. Cloud again, culture is a combination of what you value and what you allow. That's good. So are, Someone you can, write that down right now. Somebody already what did. What you value <laughs> and what you allow. I yeah, love it. I yeah. Love so it. like I have a garden in back, out back, right? Uh-huh. And I planted all these plants. And I want the plants. Those are what I planted. But in addition to plants, there's weeds. Yeah. Now, I should go pluck the weeds. I didn't plant the weeds. They just showed up there. Yep. They're spores, whatever. They just showed up. But if I don't pluck them, then they're going to grow in my garden. Yeah. And... I can't say, well, I don't, va- I don't want weeds in my garden. Well, if you don't want them, you have to pluck them. Yeah. If you don't pluck them, they're going to be there. That's true. So things like this are weeds. Yep. <laughs> your cultural values are your garden. Those are the things you want to plant. Yep. But if you allow these conflicts to sit there, like the weeds aren't just going to go away in my garden. I have to actively sit down and pull them out of my garden or they're going to take up root. They're going to choke out the plants. Yeah. So think of it like this. If you don't, if you don't pull a weed out of your garden, it's not going to go, well, I think I've done enough here. I think I'll move on. It's going to just get bigger and bigger, and it's going to even get confused. Some of them yep. can get confused. You know, there's dandelions can look like tomato plants. Yeah. Like, there's some that can look like your general. And then when <laughs> it can. That's such a good illustration. Right? Some of the plants can look like, well, this looks like a. Wow. This looks like basil, but it's this looks like sage, but it's wild lettuce. Like, it's not. Yep. So, if you don't. Once that thing takes root and it begins to grow, well, what happens is cultural confusion. Yep. Because people can't tell that you didn't plant this kind of attitude they've been here a long time they've got an influence right you know that you don't want that but nobody else does coming in from the outside they think you planted that they don't know the difference between that and the person over here who's maybe you want all that in your garden (laughs) and so if you don't pluck it it also can become confusing to people you have to deal with it right away and the problem is not only that the work might not get done but generally especially in smaller like in the ups that startup phase or smaller churches even that person has probably gotten a lot of influence. And so the thought of dealing with the relational fallout from removing that person is another, it's not just the conversation or even them not being there. It's the relational fallout across the board. So, but I think the best thing to do is you just have to brace yourself and have the conversation with them. And just, if this is what I found when God wants to, when God wants to move some, when someone's like that, God doesn't want them to stay because they sow division, yeah. and they're taking your energy, and they're causing you to, you know what I'm saying? They're causing yeah. a lot of negative things to happen, and 
things that are not Christ-like. Like, yeah. look at the book of um, James where it talks about godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom. Yep. Worldly, but heaven, wisdom from above is first pure, yep. then peaceable, then this, then this. And he says, but where there is worldly ambition, when there's envy and worldly ambition, every evil thing is under it. Right. Like, you pull it up, it's going to be all kinds of yeah. bugs and all kinds of other stuff. So when remember, when, you rem- when God is pointing that out to you, this is a weed in the garden. Pull it out. There's going to be a lot of stuff that comes up under it. But there's going to be a, a faithful plant alongside yep. that you can put in its place once yep. the soil has been reworked. So God's not going to show you that person a lot of times or until you pull the weed because yeah. he's not going to put them in an unhealthy situation. Yeah. So it's on you as the leader to go, I'm willing to have this conversation and deal with the fallout. And that might be for a while that you step into that role yeah. and you just have to do it. It's not permanent, but you have to step into it and, and rebuild and infuse culture back into it. That's great. Uh, hopefully hopefully someone wrote that down carrie just gave you your next staff meeting (laughs) message right there just all from carrie's garden that was just such a great illustration i love gardening there's so much in it right that's so great i love if you if you follow pastor stovall and carrie weems on instagram sometimes you get privy to some of the garden video footage (laughs) in their backyard as they're out there i'm like don't film me i'm like my hair's in a bun i have no makeup i'm sweating He's like, I'm not filming you, but he did film me. He I did. saw my, just my nose. My nose is in there. <laughs> we all saw it. Well, hey, that's all we have today on the Carrie Weems podcast. And uh, we're going to jump in uh, probably our next episode or here in a couple episodes more. We'll, we'll continue on the last portion of some of the questions that women are asking in ministry. But Carrie, as always, thanks so much for your wisdom. Yeah, thank and- you for pulling it out of me. Yeah, and so we love you guys. Hey, again, if you ever want to submit a question, uh, visit carryweems.com or visit uh, on email, info at carryweems.com. Follow Carrie on social media. We love you guys, and we'll see you next time. Hey, thanks again for joining us here at the Carrie Weems Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to share it with your friends and followers on social media. And don't forget, one of the best ways you can help us get the word out is to rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It's a simple and easy way that you can help us spread the word about the great teaching that Carrie has been sharing. Plus, if you would like Carrie to answer one of your questions in an upcoming episode, we would love to hear them. All you have to do is email them to us at info at Don't forget to follow on social media to stay up to date on all the latest resources that are releasing on Instagram and Twitter at Carrie Weems, or you can find Carrie on Facebook as well. And of course, for a full list of all the available books and resources, just visit CarrieWeems.com. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.